0: This is All Things Marilyn. Welcome to our latest episode of the All Things Maryland podcast. My name is Scott Fortner, Marilyn Monroe historian, collector, and owner of the Marilyn Monroe Collection.
1: And I'm Elisa Jordan. I'm the founder of LA Woman Tours, an author, and I am also a Marilyn Monroe historian.
0: How's it going, Elisa?
1: It's good. How are you?
0: I'm doing okay. It's been a little while since our last episode, mm-hmm. but here we are. We have a really exciting guest today, Mr. Michael Arnold.
1: I'm excited about this one.
0: I'm really excited, too. I think we're going to be learning an awful lot about Mm -hmm. Eve Arnold, who was one of Marilyn Monroe's photographers, and also some intimate stories and details about Marilyn herself.
1: I'm hoping we learn some cool things about Marilyn with this one.
0: It was clear that they had a really strong relationship. Eve Arnold just wasn't a one-time photographer. She shot Marilyn many times, as early as 1955, I believe, all the Mm -hmm. way up Through Marilyn's final film, The Misfits, in 1960, there was even a photo shoot after The Misfits. Was it called the Venus setting?
1: Yes, that's true.
0: That was shot after The Misfits.
1: And you know what's interesting about Marilyn and Eve Arnold is Eve is one of the few female photographers to take Marilyn's picture. So there's a story there.
0: An interesting dynamic because, of course, Marilyn was usually shot by men. There just weren't a lot of female photographers back in that time you've got some exciting news. I do. Share, please share.
1: This week, my book is coming out, finally.
0: Congratulations. And your book is called?
1: Hello, Norma Jean, The Marilyn Monroe You Didn't Know. And I am really excited. It took a long time to write, but it's basically a lifetime's worth of research coming out. I'm nervous, but I'm excited, if that makes sense.
0: Totally, of course. It's something you've been working on for years and you're mm-hmm. super excited, but at the same time, a book on Marilyn Monroe by you. It's fascinating. I'm going to be reading it and hearing your voice in my head.
1: <laughs> my, my book's a little different because there are a number of really good biographies mm-hmm. out there. Of course, we know there are a number of really less than good biographies mm-hmm. out there. I wanted people to get to know Marilyn a little better. That's why it's called mm-hmm. Hello, Norma Jean. So my book goes by topic. It's not a traditional biography where it goes chronologically. There's a twist.
0: I'm sure our readers will find it fascinating. It's going to be something that people will enjoy, I'm sure. Where can people buy it?
1: You can buy it on Amazon.com. You can buy it through Barnes and Noble, and it should be available everywhere.
0: We'll post links to it so people yes. can just go right there and buy it. Shall we dive into our interview with Michael? Let's do it. Here we go.
1: If I am a star the people pay Marilyn Monroe. I like to stay here and
0: now.
2: Fame is fickle. Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. I give you the
1: two most exciting words in
0: the modern dictionary. Marilyn Monroe. We're going to dive now into our interview with Michael Arnold, who happens to be the grandson of Eve Arnold, who of course was one of Marilyn Monroe's photographers. Welcome, Michael.
2: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here, Scott. I'm really excited.
0: We're excited, too, to learn more about your project and also to learn more about your grandmother. And speaking of your project, why don't you just share some of the details about why you're doing this project and what you're hoping to accomplish and just share with our listeners all of the details?
2: Yes. So... Well, this project is a previously unreleased editions of uh, Eve's work, Eve's prints. At the moment, we've released the first the collection. It's going to be an ongoing collection, but we've released the first three images, which are all of Marilyn Monroe on the set of The Misfits. There's a couple of things that are special about this body of work. So Eve was very keen to make her work available and affordable. in fact, her very first exhibition she did in the 1970s, she wanted to sell the prints affordably so that anybody could afford them. Unfortunately, what happened on that occasion was that art collectors bought them up and then sold them on for a profit. A few years ago, we released some posters, affordable posters. Since then, the last three years, I've been working with Eve's bespoke printer, a man called Danny Pope, who worked with Eve for, for many years and printed a lot of her exhibitions. And there was a period where the kind of transition between the digital era and the analogue era. And he started in the analogue era. He was a darkroom printer. But he's one of the few printers who actually made that transition from the, the analogue to the digital realm. I've been working with him for the last three years to produce these absolutely stunning prints that are every bit as good, if not better, in my opinion, than the old vintage prints that were being made in in the darkroom. We wanted to be able to share these prints so that they were affordable for people to to buy because the very large versions sell for many thousands of pounds of these same prints that are printed in exactly the same way. And we're selling the 10 inch by 12 inch format prints for 280 pounds each, including worldwide free shipping. Also, it took in her lifetime about a quarter of a million images and many of those have never seen the light of day it's an ongoing project to not only scan the images to make them available in books and to the general public but also to scan all her notes there's tons of information in notes she was a prolific note taker and researcher for the stories she did mm. and obviously all this work takes takes funding so the money raised from this sale will go back into the the ongoing uh, process of of scanning and digitizing and, and making more of his work available
0: wow okay you're right at the start of this project and it sounds like it's pretty comprehensive and extensive.
1: Yeah, are you going to be selling prints of other celebrities or just Marilyn Monroe? Or are you opening it up to some of her other work as well?
2: Oh, very much, yes, in later ones. So there's some beautiful images that we've been finding, a few unseen ones, in fact, of Marlene Dietrich from the same session where where he photographed Malena Dietrich in the recording studio in 1950. And there's some fantastic images from that, including some unseen images. There's also some unseen images of Monroe that um, we haven't released yet, but they will be coming in, in future releases of the collection. And also, he photographed a number of celebrities. She was known for her kind of ability to get to the real person behind the kind of persona and some of my favorite images of hers are for example of paul newman there's some great ones of maudrey hepburn marlon brander there's some fantastic ones of marlon brander so yeah there's quite a collection of, of images to come
0: just to clarify for people who may not know For our listeners who have seen or happen to have a copy of the 1999 Christie's catalog for the estate sale, that photograph of Marilyn on the cover where she's in jeans and a white shirt and cowboy boots, that was taken by your grandmother. Yes. So that's a great example of Eve being able to get to the person behind mm-hmm. the the star or the celebrity, the real person, because Marilyn's in a very interesting pose. That's quite
2: fascinating for the cover of that catalog.
0: And I think that really helped make it even more famous.
2: Is that the one where she's standing in the desert and she got her hands on her knees? Yes. Yes, yes. yes. That's yes. The, yeah. That's one of the one that's one of my favorite ones actually of Monroe that Eve took. And that's mm-hmm. actually in this release, in this collection.
0: Tell us about how your grandmother developed an interest in photography, if you happen to know that. Did she ever share with you this is how I got into this field?
2: When she was young, she had a really close relationship with her dad. And they would often talk about what she wanted to do when she was growing up. And they just discussed whether they should be a doctor or but she I think she got a sense or he gave her the confidence that she could do or be whatever she wanted to. And I think that really had an impact on her. She started out, I think she got a secretarial job in her 20s. But then when her dad died, she moved to New York City. She grew up in in Philadelphia. She then applied for a job which was advertised as for an amateur photographer. And she, I think by that time, had already started taking photographs. And she she developed an interest in photography and got this job. And it turned out the job wasn't anything to do with being a photographer. It was actually at at a photo finishing plant where Kodak processed photos. It was the early days of where you could buy a roll of film and send it to be developed. That was the early days of that technology. She got the job, it was during the war, during the Second World War, that there there was more opportunities for women at that time. And she quickly rose up to become the manager of the whole factory. And in fact, she then became the manager of a second factory as well, and and actually was in charge of opening a second factory in Chicago. But she learned a lot about the process of developing photos, but she also got to see a lot of different amateur photos that were sent in to be processed. And she was part of the quality control, so she would go and see thousands of photographs that had been sent in and, and that had been processed so that was her early kind of informal education if you like but it wasn't until her husband actually encouraged her to go and do a, a photography class with a photographer called alexi Brodovitch, who was the uh the art director of harper's Bazaar magazine richard abaddon and irving penn were, were also in this class so it was a real mix mm. i think i don't know what stage they were in their career but they obviously went on and did great things also and she took uh, as she described very amateurish photographs to, to the class and Alexei Brodovich asked, would anybody like to show their photographs and uh, to get a critique? And Eve didn't want to, but her friend said, Yes, yes, my friend does mm. and put her hand up for <laughs> her. and he looked at the photographs and, and completely tore them apart uh, mm. and he was devastated and, and it, I think it took her a few weeks to recover from that but then she later said that was one of the best lessons she actually ever had because he taught so much from actually analyzing what made a good photograph and the composition and, and where she'd gone wrong and, and where she could improve and I think also mm. that kind of it instilled in her this kind of determination I'm going to show them she was very always very determined had this iron will that if she set her mind to something she was going to do it she was going to make it happen and Alexey borovich was wanting to push the boundaries of photography and what was possible and the next assignment that was set was about fashion. And Eve's nanny at the time was a black lady who was from Harlem. And and she told Eve about the fashion shows that would take place in, in the churches in Harlem at that time. And Yves thought this would be a fantastic story. So she, she talked to the people who, who organized the fashion shows, and they invited her to come along and photograph those fashion shows. And at that time, fashion photography was very much studio lit, and it was very much white faces. So this was something groundbreaking. It's still some of her best work, in my opinion. But she, even from those early, early shoots, she started to develop her own unique style. So she, for example, she took a flash along, and as as chance would have it, the, the flash didn't work. So she realized she she had to work with the available light, and she soon realized that actually she preferred doing that. She preferred the more natural uh, look that that working with available light gave her, and she learned about the the intrusion of the camera because she she started to take pictures of the the models, and they started to pose, and she realized ah. Lesson number one, she said, beware of the intrusion of the camera. So that became part of her her style, that she wanted to be someone who photographs something natural of the person rather than a posed image. And that kind of is something she developed over her career.
1: While you're talking about this, it makes me wonder, did she ever talk about what it was like to be a woman in a male dominated field at the time?
2: Yes, she did very much. She wrote a book called The Unretouched Woman. And in the introduction, she talked about how her male colleagues weren't referred to in inverted commas. I was looked on as someone apart, a career lady, a a woman photographer. My colleagues were not spoken of in inverted commas. They were not career men or men photographers. I was not happy about it, but I realized, as many women before me have, that it was a fundamental part of female survival to play the assigned role. I couldn't fight against those attitudes. I needed to know more about other women and try to understand what made me acquiesce in this situation. But she also talked later on in in other writing about how actually it became an advantage to, to be a woman. She turned it to her advantage rather than saying, oh, feeling downtrodden and thinking, okay, this is a disadvantage. She actually thought, okay, what is the advantage of being a female in a male-dominated world? Men like to be photographed by women; it becomes flirtatious and fun, and women feel less as though they're expected to be in a, in a relationship. And I think, as she found with many of the women that she photographed, including Marilyn Monroe, that there was a different dynamic than the, the male photographers had with Marilyn Monroe, because there was many times where yes, it, it was about the kind of the flirtatiousness in the interaction with male photographers and, and Marilyn Monroe, whereas with Eve, she started to, to really become very close friends with Marilyn Monroe. And it was that trust and, and that kind of safe place that Marilyn felt she she could be safe. And from that place, she could play and explore and do all kinds of fun photographic shoots. But it was a different relationship that Eve was able to have with the female subjects, but, but in particular Marilyn Monroe, that allowed her to get the photographs that she did.
0: Fascinating. I think sometimes people maybe don't think about it through that pardon the pun, through that lens of it's a different (laughs) relationship with a male photographer, with a female photographer, you can really develop a different type of a relationship and become friendlier and close in an unthreatening way without any other type of expectations. So that's really fascinating. Did your grandmother ever talk about any assignments early on that were very successful that she felt helped build her status and reputation in the industry of photography? Yes. Can you talk about that?
2: Yes. So her real breakthrough came. So so in 1957, she actually on the strength of the, the photographs that she took in Harlem, she was invited by Magnum Photos to, to, to become an associate member. And then she became a full member. And shortly after that, she was given the assignment to photograph Marlena Dietrich. Mm-hmm. And he described that as her kind of breakthrough moment when she was asked to photograph Marlena Dietrich. And uh, Marlena Dietrich was recording the songs that had made her famous during the Second World War. And she was in the recording studio at Columbia Records. And it was an overnight shoot. It was like an all-night shoot. And apparently Marlene Dietrich's astrologer had said that this was the most fortuitous time to to do the uh, recording. And he went into the assignment knowing that, that she wanted something different, knowing that she described it as she'd seen how in Hollywood the kind of idealized portrait particularly when it was a female subject was very glamorized and stylized as if it was like a commodity that was being photographed and she it to lighting a packet of cigarettes almost it was kicking the the humanity of it and Eve said that she wanted to do something different she wanted to show something of the working woman so Marlene Dietrich working at her craft recording songs in the studio and Marlene Dietrich apparently complained to the record company afterwards because she said, that Arnold lady will with- kept following me the whole night. She didn't leave me the whole night because <laughs> you were just following her around it and wanted to, to get her as she was going about her work. And those pictures were published in magazines all around the world and, and it was like her first kind of taste of kind of notoriety.
0: Did Marlena then have a different opinion of what it was like to have been trailed by your grandmother if those photos were <laughs> I think full? she was very happy.
2: Yeah, I think this was after, before she'd seen the photograph. I think she was very happy once she'd seen the photographs. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they um, were very well received.
1: For people who aren't familiar with Marlena Dietrich, She was known for being a stickler for lighting and the way she presented herself. So it would have been a big breakthrough to see Marlena Dietrich just working. So it really was different.
2: Yeah, so it's easy to forget in these days that we're used to the reality shows and and, and all this. But in those days, it, it wasn't anything like that. It was all very studio lit.
0: So we understand that shoot with marlena dietrich led to the relationship with marilyn so can That's you talk right. about that
2: yes so that was that as you said paved the way for the relationship with, with marilyn because eve was at a party in hollywood that was apparently it was, it was at john houston's house the director john houston marilyn monroe was brought over to to meet eve they were they were introduced to each other and i think pretty much the first thing that marilyn monroe said to to eve was was uh She's obviously seen the photos of, of Marlena Dietrich, and she said, if you could do that with Marlena, imagine what you could do with me. And, mm-hmm. and as Eve said, she Eve said she found that quite wonderful. There was a kind of naivety, but a kind of just a directness and, and confidence about it that she loved.
0: It's really interesting, all of the connections between Marlena Dietrich and Marilyn Monroe, particularly with Marlena really being, in a way, the inspiration for the happy birthday, Mr. President dress designed Mm -hmm. by Jean-Louis because he was designing the same style of dress for Marlena Dietrich. And of course, they knew each other. She was a guest at Marilyn's party in January of 55, announcing Marilyn Monroe Productions. She was actually there with Marilyn. So it's really fascinating how these two women's lives have intersected in multiple Mm -hmm. ways. And here's just another example of that.
2: Yeah, that led on to their their first first photo shoot. So it was this was a story for Esquire magazine. I don't know who suggested it, but Marilyn Monroe came to Long Island where he was living at the time and she wanted to do something different and and playful and she brought along this leopard skin bathing suit eve had found these kind of these long tall bulrushes and this is something that eve kind of talked about that that really endeared her to working with marilyn monroe that she was always up for trying new things and doing just being playful and trying things out and having a good time and and really enjoying what she was doing bringing out different sides of of her character so eve asked her if, if she, would, she would stand in the bulrushes to create this kind of, she described it as like, almost like a Chinese landscape. Marilyn Monroe went one better and she started lying down in the mud in the bulrushes and you can see in the photo that there's like mud in on her hands and on her knees and she was rolling around and playing being a lion and growling at the camera. And there's some amazing photos that that, that kind of came out of that shoot. But Eve, yeah, like I said, just loved the the fact that their relationship allowed that playfulness. And and he later on said that that it was because Marilyn Monroe quite early on started to to feel very comfortable with Eve that she could have that kind of playfulness.
0: Really great photographs that Eve Mm -hmm. took of Marilyn. I think most people associate Eve's work on the Misfits, which Mm -hmm. we can talk about a little bit later on. But some of my favorites Mm -hmm. are their trip to Bement, Illinois. Mine too. Those are some of the most fascinating intimate personal unposed photos of Marilyn I think that are out there.
1: Did she mm-hmm, talk mm-hmm. about her impressions of Marilyn in the early years of their relationship? I know it it may have changed later or with time, but did she talk about those early years with Marilyn?
2: She often said to me that she had said to Eve often, "Let's make a Marilyn." So she was very aware right from the start of, of the image that she wanted to portray and she was very smart and aware and very clear about how she wanted to go about it. And I think that was something that Eve really wanted to have known that she was very directive about her image and how she wanted to be portrayed basically and Eve said that she really knew how the camera would make her appear and she had a real ability to work with the photographer that was uncanny and she said she's never worked with anyone since or before then that had this ability to work with the photographer to create this image of herself but there's also a great quote Eve talking about Monroe she said she was a sort of valiant funny witty woman when I met her at first and then the last session she did with her was, was on the Misfits. And she was still very trusting and very dear with Eve. And she noticed that she was more wary with, with other people by that point. She lost some of that kind of ability to trust people along the way. And Eve also said that, she said, so. Um, as long as she believed that she was Marilyn Monroe and she was a movie star, at that point, she wasn't yet. This is when he first met her. She could deal with it. She loved it. But then when the fantasy became the reality, it was no longer tenable for her. She felt fragmented because everyone wanted something from her. But actually, it was the public to whom she played. And she would put on a performance wherever she went. And it would be extraordinary, no matter where she went. And you've said that that was heart and soul to her. That was her identity. That was the person who she really was and who she wanted to be. So it's kind of wanting to create the the Marilyn Monroe that she became. But then actually, when it became the reality, I think that's when it became difficult for her.
0: To hear insights about Marilyn in a way that doesn't appear to be sensationalized. mm. It's... Mm really appears to be coming from the perspective of somebody that spent an awful lot of time with her and trusted her and knew her but knew about her and picked up on what it was that Marilyn was doing. Fascinating, that passage about when the fantasy became reality, how that changed. That's very interesting.
2: So you've told me this story when I was growing up about how she was in a taxi with Monroe in New York City. And because ordinarily, she would just be quite unassuming and it was only when the cameras and the lights were on that she would become this kind of star. The taxi driver said, you know, if you put on some makeup and you were a bit taller, you'd look like Marilyn Monroe. And <laughs> then she gets out of, the ta- out of the taxi cab and suddenly all the cameras there. And the, the cab driver like, oh, my God, it is Marilyn Monroe. Wow. Because Eve said she had this uncanny ability to, to make herself look taller than she actually was. She could... Elevate herself and, and become suddenly taller and, and more slender. And
0: there's so many stories about that, mm-hmm. about Marilyn physically transforming from Norma mm-hmm. Jean into Marilyn Monroe. So many stories people over the years have told. We could be walking down the street and nobody would recognize who she was. It was Susan Strasberg who said she turned on this light inside and instantly was recognized and would be just mobbed on the street. Really fascinating how she was able to do that. I think a lot of people today try to do that same thing where yes. they're one person in real life, true to themselves, and then they turn into a little bit of a character when they're in front of the camera or in front of the public. So Michael, we've talked already about how unusual it was for Eve to be a female photographer in a male-dominated world, and it was really unusual for Marilyn to be shot by a female photographer. And she did, as you mentioned, really trust Eve and could be more herself, less reserved, her guard was down. What do you think it was about your grandmother that helped develop that kind of a relationship. And as you mentioned, it was something that lasted. Eve noticed that she was interacting with people differently on the set of The Misfits. She was less trusting, but yet she still had that with Eve toward the end. Why do you Mm -hmm. think that was the case?
2: I think that was a lot about Eve's way with people, just how she was. And it wasn't just how she was with the people she photographed, but just how she was in general. And I think there was a genuine care and concern and curiosity. I think that But she often said what drove her was curiosity. And there's a quote where someone asked her about her work with celebrities and and whether she was starstruck. And she said, I wasn't impressed with the names, but interested in why they were the chosen ones. So she was interested about the character of the person Mm -hmm. that made them a celebrity rather than the fact that they were a celebrity. And I think to anyone who met Eve, they could tell that, that she had a genuine curiosity about them. And and that was certainly my experience of knowing her because she was my grandmother. But I actually felt like she was more like like, like a dear friend to me. Hmm. And for example, you know, we'd often sit around her kitchen table and she'd ask me about what's going on in my life. And there was this kind of always non-judgmental approach that she would always just listen with this kind of care and, and genuine curiosity and, and without any judgment. And I think people sensed that. And that's why they trusted her.
1: I think this is a good spot to transition into the misfits and eve's way with people because she was working with magnum magnum made an agreement with the cast and crew of the misfits that they would rotate in and out different photographers every couple of weeks but eve had access to the entire shoot by all accounts it was a really difficult movie shoot I was wondering if Eve ever shared her memories of the Misfits, what she thought of Marilyn during this time, and if she just had any stories of that movie shoot that she shared with you.
2: Yes, so there's, there's a few stories. But yes, what apparently happened was that the studio invited the Magnum photographers to come every two weeks. They were the plan was that they would switch over; two photographers would come, and then after two weeks, another two would come. And that was because Marilyn at the time was very fragile. And she couldn't stood to have a you know, barrage of photographers that she didn't know all coming at once. And so Eve arrived, I think, with Ernest Haas. And when she arrived on set, that's when kind of Marilyn greeted her with this warmth. And, and, and Eve realized that, yeah, she, she was worn out. And, and she even said, I've been working for so many years, and where do I go next? And that's when she realized that, that she wasn't satisfied. She was, she was actually depressed and, and the marriage to Arthur Miller was breaking down. But also, that as you said, when the fantasy became the reality, it was sinking in. That wasn't going to, to make her ultimately happy. And, and that kind of realization, I think, was difficult for her to bear. So what happened was that Marilyn actually said to Eve, look, can you stay on for the whole time? And Eve ended up staying on for, for eight weeks rather than two weeks because she wanted someone who was there with her that she felt really comfortable with and she could trust and, and she could be a support to her as well throughout the process. And one of the things Eve talked about was that the film was written by Arthur Miller. It was originally a story. And he wrote in, for the film, he wrote in a part for Marilyn and it was, Eve described it as her, his valentine to Marilyn even though at that point the the marriage was falling apart. And it was meant to be like a serious venture that would kind of position Marilyn as a, a serious actor. And she, she loved it and she loved all the, the attention and she loved being on set with the the leads, but she also at the same time felt insecure because these were highly accomplished, polished actors. And if the lines got changed, they would uh, suddenly be able to rattle them off and no problem. Whereas Marilyn had problems relearning her lines with the booms hanging over, and she's like that she's biting her fingernails and in that image she's actually learning her lines and she you can see the kind of the anxiety about not being able to learn her lines and another story that that she talked about also was apparently clark gable was a a childhood hero of of Mm maryland's and so he was in the film the misfits as well so monroe apparently so she grew up in an an orphanage and, and when she was a child she would have dreams that clark gable would come to the orphanage and give the children coloring books. And in this dream, Clark Gable became Marilyn Monroe's father. So to to be working alongside him, I think, was very profound for her, him having been this, this kind of hero and also father figure to her.
0: Yeah, he was a big part of her life as a child because he resembled the photograph of her father that she had seen. And they both had the same look, the same mustache, that type of a thing. And so she often fantasized because Clark Gable was someone in her life, not literally to the point where they knew each other as a child, but he was a presence when she would see him in films. She would fantasize about him actually being her father because the photo on the wall of her actual father that her mother had pointed out to her, they just resembled each other so much. A really fascinating way for them to come together at the end. And of course, it was their final completed film, and she was very close to Clark Gable. On the topic of the misfits, did Eve ever mention any stories or have anything to say about anyone else on the film, any other members of the cast or the crew?
2: She would talk about, obviously, the fact that Arthur Miller and Marilyn Monroe's marriage was breaking down. So apparently he would go off and go to the casino because it was in in Nevada and he would go to the casino in Reno. There's actually an image that Eve, a few images that Eve took in the casino of of Marilyn in the casino. Mm. And there's one particular one where she's got her head on her hands and leaning, she's in the foreground of the image. And in in the background, there's a kind of shadowy figure and you can make out that it's Arthur Miller. Mm. And it's quite interesting because she managed to capture that kind of separation because the thing about the, the way that she used the light, Marilyn Monroe is, is very clearly visible. You can see the kind of melancholy in her face. And the fact that the in the shadows is Arthur Marilyn kind of given a real separation, real distance. And, and I think it's, it says a lot about their relationship or it encapsulates this kind of distance that was, was starting to form. And obviously, you know, that had a big effect on Monroe. And she was taking a lot of sleeping pills and she would often turn up to the shoots, drowsy and groggy. So yeah, I think it was quite sad for you to, to see that.
0: Yeah, I'll bet, especially if they'd been as close as they had been for that many years.
1: I first learned about your grandmother in 1987, when she published a book Mm -hmm. called Marilyn and Appreciation. And there Mm -hmm. is a story behind that title. I was wondering if you could go into that.
2: For a while after Marilyn's death, I think because she was, he was in shock. I think she didn't want to accept that Marilyn had died. For a while afterwards, she embargoed all the photos that were hadn't already been published, and she didn't want to do anything with them. And I think out of a respect for Monroe, and then talked about this in an interview for the BBC that she did about Marilyn Monroe and her work with her. She talked about how she would see things coming out about Marilyn Monroe and the kind of the way she was being portrayed in books. And I think Eve felt like a loyalty to Monroe and she wanted to in a way, set the record straight. She talked about, for example, the images that Bert Stern took of Monroe, where she's semi-nude, where she's draped in scarves. And in some of them, she's drinking. And it, it, she was saying she looked like she was drunk in them. And, and what happened was, apparently, the the photos were sent to Monroe. And she sent them back, gouged with a sharp instrument, that they, she'd you know cut them off or somehow destroyed them. And, and she hated them. and She didn't want them to be used. And then they were used anyway. And she talked about Anthony Summers' book and how there was photos of Monroe in the morgue used in that book. And he felt quite disturbed by the, both of these two and the way that Monroe was, was being portrayed. And that, that's why it was it's called an appreciation. It, she wanted to talk about her relationship with Marilyn and to show her in a different light than perhaps she'd been shown in by other photographers. So That was her kind of
0: reasoning behind it. It's fascinating. I have to say, I've gotten chills a couple of times just hearing these stories. It's just really refreshing to hear stories about Marilyn from somebody who knew her personally that seem to just be authentic and real because so many times you hear stories and you're just not quite sure about it. So back to Marilyn and your grandmother and their relationship together and the impact photographing Marilyn Monroe has on someone's career. So a lot of times once you've shot Marilyn, that's what you're known for and the rest of your career is somewhat overshadowed. And (laughs) there are many photographers today who if they hadn't shot Marilyn, people wouldn't necessarily recall them as well or they wouldn't be as famous. Did your grandmother ever talk about that? Did that type of thing happen to her, do you think, or did she think? And when it came to your grandmother's work, what was it that she was most proud of?
2: No, great question. Yeah, yeah. This is something that that I wanted to change Eve, I guess she was about ninety years old when she said this to me. But she said, "Michael, look, I don't want to be just known as Monroe, because th- this was obviously after the book, the appreciation, to come out, and she was already developing a reputation for being a photographer of Monroe." As you say, that that w- will change somebody. There's another interview where where she describes someone asked, "Did you use Marilyn?" And she said, well, "Yes, we all used her, and she used us." So yes, she was aware that that it, it helped her career, but then. Later on, she also wanted to be, understandably, not just known for, for Monroe. And that's something that, having taken over managing Eve's archive, that's why I wanted to to really help to shed a light on her other work, because I love the, the photographs of Monroe, and but there's also so much more to Eve's work. And it's great that the, there's been a recent retrospective of Eve's work in the UK, and the curator really focused on the breadth of Eve's work, which is fantastic, because she did so much the huge diversity she went to China in the 1970s when no other photographers were allowed in she went to Russia under communism she photographed yes a lot of other celebrities in Hollywood but she photographed working people in poverty she did an amazing story about birth where she went into into the delivery ward where babies were, were being born in the 1950s where that just wasn't done and her reportage work is still I believe groundbreaking and Again, it was her curiosity that led her to, when she talked about, she said, I, you know, I was I grew up in poverty and I wanted to document poverty. I, I was a woman and I wanted to know about women. And she was interested in politics and she wanted to know about politics. It was a curiosity about the world around her that, 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 that drove her. And I, it's hard to pinpoint any one particular set of photographs that I think she would say she was most proud of. But for me, what kind of transcends all of the work, whether it was with celebrities or in ordinary people in inverted commas, because she didn't see anybody as ordinary. And she said that, in fact, it's the kind of the curiosity about what makes that person tick and, and the humanity and the humility to to know that what was on the surface wasn't the real person and the desire to, to show something. And she often said, if you're careful with people and if you respect their privacy, they will offer you part of themselves. And, and she would often say, that's the big secret. And I think that's what she did, whether she was photographing the royal family or working class family. It was that humanity that shone through because she gained their trust and she was able to show something that perhaps you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And I think that's what she wanted to do. It was She wanted to show something that you wouldn't have seen otherwise.
1: It sounds like you had a really good relationship and close relationship with your grandmother. And I wanted to know if you could speak a little bit about that, because to us, Eve Arnold is a photojournalist, but to you, she was your grandmother. What would you like us to know about her?
2: There's an interesting story I can tell related to that about how growing up she was my grandmother and she, she i was her first grandchild as well i've got an, a younger brother and sister but i think she really so she wrote me a letter Welcoming me to the world when i was born and, and um, i've still got it but when i was a, a young kid she was my grandmother but then at one point i realized oh she's someone special to other people too and i remember like being outside a film theater or maybe it was it was a dance production we went to go and see in london and someone recognized her and came up to her and said oh you're eve arnold and i was like oh wow and i could see that they were kind of starstruck and it made me think oh wow okay but to other people she's a celebrity and to me that was really interesting because she was my dear friend and she was like a mentor to me she was someone i could confide in and i think what it made me realize was something that she actually talked about in her photographs what which is that it's very easy to put people on a pedestal and assume that they are somehow supernatural or, or they are born supernatural and i think what seeing eve who was flesh and blood to me realized that that we're all flesh and blood and there's no such sense and i I think that's something also that she was trying to convey in her photographs was was that it's that shared humanity that we whether we're a celebrity or we're not a celebrity we all have something within us that makes us special And, and that's what she was trying to to convey with her photographs and that's what she was trying to get to with whoever she photographed
0: your grandmother sounds pretty deep
2: She was, yeah, she was. She was amazing.
0: Really thoughtful, really sensitive, just really wanting to. An expression I like to use is peel back the layers of the onion. Like she just really wanted to go deep and learn more about people. And just sounds like she had a natural curiosity and a natural almost intuitiveness about people and about things, and just was really able to develop deep connections with people.
2: That's it, definitely. Yeah. And I think she saw her role as getting to the the heart of the matter getting to the essence getting to the truth whether it was a political story she wanted to get to the story behind the story whether it was the the person she wanted to to get to the to the heart of what made made that person who they were how old were you when she passed away so she died in 2012 yeah 36 37 yeah yeah
0: so you had a relationship with her long into adulthood yes very fortunate you have talked about eve growing up and working on the east coast here in the United States. At some point though, she moved to England. How did that happen?
2: Yes, in 1960, she moved to, to London and she was offered a job at the Sunday Times Magazine. I don't know whether it was just because of that or whether she felt that it was time to, to move on. So my, my dad's dad went to a particular school in the UK. So he w- he lived in the UK until I think he was in his twenties and then he moved to America, So this is my grandfather. And my grandfather had always wanted my dad to go to this particular school in the UK. But at the same time, as I said, he was offered this job for the Sunday Times magazine. And this was like in the heyday of of photojournalism, as he described it. And what was amazing about this opportunity was that it allowed her to come up with these amazing ideas. She'd always wanted to go to Russia. She'd always wanted to go to China. And the editor of the Sunday Times magazine, she formed a really close relationship with. And they would come up with all kinds of wacky ideas. And she would be able to play out whatever she wanted to do and they would then send her off around the world to make the story, to to do a photo story of it. And then people would would see those magazines because you have to remember, this was a time when international travel for most people wasn't a normal thing. This was like Mm -hmm. in the 1960s. So people would would look to these color photo magazines for, I guess, in the same way that we might look at National Geographic to see what was going on in the world. For example, she went to, to Russia in the 60s. And there's a great story where she went to a hospital so that she was followed around by a, by a chaperone, like a KGB chaperone. And she couldn't go anywhere without without the chaperone's permission. And she was in a hospital. And then the KGB guy was suddenly called off to go somewhere else. And she saw her opportunity. And she must have had an inkling that there was what we'll call political prisoners, basically. But they, they were in this um, psychiatric hospital. And she rushed off and she went into a room. And she saw these two political prisoners who were being sed- heavily sedated uh, in this psychiatric uh, ward of the hospital. And they were sitting in bars. I don't know if you know the image, but they're sitting in bars, cloaked um, up the eyeballs. She realised this was this was something she wasn't meant to see. She took a took a photograph and, and ran back to where the where the, the mm. KGB chaperone was, heart pounding. And he never found out. And I think that's a great example of her kind of her curiosity and her drive to to get the story, whatever kind of however that might endanger her personal safety. Wow.
1: Did she ever talk about what some of her favorite shots were, not just of Marilyn, but of her career in general?
2: She had on her wall some of her favorite images towards the end of her life. One of those was a photograph of Paul Newman in the actor's studio. You know, the one, he's sitting on a chair, he's got his leg up, and he just incredibly handsome just has this kind of aura about him of just charisma basically that's an amazing photograph there's another one that she loved of john houston and two of his greyhounds so she became friends with john houston and angelica houston and from when Angelica Houston was very young, and she was invited to John Houston's home in Ireland. And there's a fantastic image of him with his dogs. You can probably just Google Eve Arnold John Houston dogs and it'll come up. And he's, he's feeding his dogs. You can see that there's a wall behind him. It, it's, it's huge stone slabs in his, in this kind of, almost like a castle, I think it probably was, in, in Ireland. And then there's a the detail of him kind of feeding these dogs. And it's, it's just the kind of composition and the it's hard to put into words, but there's something just very unique about that image.
0: In your many conversations with your grandmother, what are some of your favorite stories that she shared with you about Marilyn? There's
2: a great story actually that I haven't shared yet that I want to share that exemplifies Marilyn's kind of playfulness, but also her ability to create these moments that, that were memorable, that that kind of that kind of created this persona, basically. But I think obviously part of who she was as well. I think it was quite early on in Eve's relationship with Monroe where she was invited to a hotel room in New York. It was after the first shoot in Long Island and she had the contact sheets and the prints, and she was going to show them to Marilyn to go through them, see if there's any she didn't like. And Eve said she was quite naive in, in, in those days. But actually there was something quite beautiful about the fact that she wanted to get Monroe's approval and she often did that and she said can you just wait a minute I'm, I've got an interview with uh, someone from a magazine at the moment so he sat and waited and, and she actually sat in the same room as, as Monroe and the woman uh, who was uh, giving the interview and she was wearing a, a nightgown or a kind of a negligee and, and very little else and the interviewer was making notes and she was looking down at her notepad and uh, Marilyn said oh do you mind if I brush my hair while I'm while you're doing the interview and the woman said no not at all and when the woman looked up, she realized that Marilyn Monroe was, was brushing her pubic hair. Really, <laughs> And then the, the reporter was, was absolutely shocked. But, but she said like, that, that Monroe often did that. She would often create these kind of moments of, of playfulness and, and drama. And she told another kind of similar story when Eve went to photograph Monroe and Laurence Olivier, when they were giving a press conference to announce the prince and the showgirl. And apparently Olivier was hogging the mic and he was talking pontificating and and quite dull and and, and a bit boring. So Monroe decided she wanted to to, to do something a bit different and she was wearing this dress with very thin straps and she leaned forward and... Broke one of the straps of the of this dress, and there was a big commotion. Everyone, oh my god! And so everyone was handing out safety pins and, and making sure that she wasn't exposing herself. But and Eve said that when people asked Monroe about this later, she got very defensive and angry when people suggested that it was deliberate. But he was like, it clearly was deliberate. But she was mm-hmm. a master of creating the, this kind of well, the word Eve have described it. But she created situations and scenarios that that kind of played to her a favor because then after that, Monroe took the microphone and was able to whole center stage, but in a way that, that she wanted to do it that wasn't boring, that was fun.
0: She knew how to bring the attention back to her for sure. Mm-hmm. And that was a yeah. perfect example. <laughs> and she probably just waited for the right moment for that. Oh, yes. That's a really interesting segue into a question that I had, which was your grandmother passed away in 2012. Marilyn's first estate auction was in 1999. And I'm thinking this because that dress that you just mentioned with the strap that broke sold at auction, safety pins still attached, if I'm not mistaken. And (laughs) how did your grandmother react or respond to the fact that Marilyn's estate was being sold to the public and she was probably seeing things that she recognized? For example, the boots that Marilyn was wearing in Mm -hmm. The Misfits, in many photos that your grandmother took of her, those boots were sold at that auction. And I'm wondering, did she ever talk about that?
2: He didn't know. Like I said, you know, she talked more generally about wanting to, to set the record straight about about things, but she didn't talk. No, she didn't talk about any of those kind of sales or her, her personal mm-hmm. possessions or, or the estate being st- sold. No, I don't remember mm-hmm. her talking about that.
0: We talked a little bit about your grandmother commenting on Marilyn's death. Was there anything else you wanted to add to how that impacted her? So yes,
2: I think she was very shocked, and she lost a a dear friend and they were clearly very close and Eve talked about how when they first met they bonded over the the fact that they were both starting out relatively speaking in their careers it was like 1955 they formed a real friendship she talked about the fact that because obviously there's been lots of speculation about whether it was a suicide and Eve maintained that she felt strongly that it wasn't that that she was very troubled, yes, and she was taking a lot of sleeping pills, and she would she, had, she would wake up in the middle of the night not remembering if she'd taken any before and, and take more. That doesn't take away the fact that she mm. did die, but that was, that was her take on it. That was her yeah. kind of belief.
0: Something more accidental than mm. intentional. Did she ever talk about the last time she spoke with Marilyn?
2: She did, actually, yes. The last time she spoke with her was when she was invited to sing Happy Birthday to Kennedy. And Eve had just come back from a long trip. I can't remember where the trip was, but she'd just come back. And Marilyn called her up and told her that she was going to sing happy birthday and invited Eve to go along to photograph. And Eve said she regretted later that she turned it down. She said, I'm really sorry. I'm tired. I've just come back from a long trip. And I'd love to be there, but not, not this time. And she said she always regretted that she didn't go along to, to do that. And and then obviously shortly after that she died. Yeah.
1: Wow. Could you imagine if she had photographed that event, we would have had some incredible pictures like that trip to mm-hmm. Illinois.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: So going back to some of her pictures, and you clearly grew up with your grandmother talking about her career, which is great because now we can ask you about it. But do you have any favorite photos that your grandmother took? And I'll ask to break it down for Maryland photos and then non-Maryland photos.
2: I think the Marilyn photos. It it varies. It used to be the one, the black and white one of the boom hanging over. And Eve gave me a, a print of that when I was sixteen, and I, I I had it hanging on my wall for for many years. And I think part of that was just I'd seen it in so many books and, and publications, and it was look that's my grandma. And obviously it's a stunning <laughs> photograph. I love it still. But I was I think it was, yeah, it was part of it was like that. That's one of her most famous and celebrated. And I think now one of my favorite is the one where she's got her hands on her knees in the desert, the color one. The, the thing about the light, and particularly the way Danny's printed these uh, new editions, that it's just this, and Eve actually chose the lighting because she wanted to, a lot of the photos were actually when she was on the set. But for for that photo shoot, Eve, Eve just invited Marilyn out onto the desert at night where she knew the light would be would be particularly luminous and and, and, and unusual. And, and the thing about the lighting in that photo, it's dusk and, and it's just got this luminous quality. And there's a radiance about her expression, about Monroe's expression as well. That that kind of, yeah, something quite magical about that one. In terms of non monroe images, one of my favorites is actually Isabella Rossellini. She's on the set of White Knights with Mikhail Buriznikov. And that's where Eve met Mikhail Buriznikov and Isabella Rossellini, in fact, I was on the set of, of the film White Knights. And they actually, she actually became friends with both Rossellini and Buriznikov. And Briznikov actually adopted Eve because he lost his mother early in life and kind of Eve became his like adoptive mother. So he would come and visit her whenever he was in London. And I went to go and see him dance and we would I would see him. So I think that's probably, that's why that image of, and Mussolini as well, I met on on several occasions. But that image of her on the set of White Nights, it's a color image and it's got a red kind of orangey glow to it. It's hard to show how that turns out uh, unless it's printed properly, because it, it, it's you can't quite capture that kind of red glow.
0: Michael, thank you so much for joining us today for the All Things Marilyn podcast. I really feel like I've learned a lot more about Marilyn as part of this conversation and of course have learned some really interesting pieces of information and facts about your grandmother. It's been fascinating.
1: Yeah, I've really enjoyed this.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm just really delighted to hear that.
0: I don't know if anybody has ever heard these stories about pieces of information about Marilyn as well. Alisa and I will be posting links so that people can go and look at the photographs that you were selling of Marilyn that were taken by your grandmother, and then also purchase them. And you mentioned earlier that you're presenting them at a rate that's much more affordable than the normal prints. And did you say earlier that it's the exact same printing style and technique? It's not different than the more expensive prints? They're just smaller in size? Is that
2: accurate? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to have people have access to the highest quality possible prints that you can own. They're just they're just slightly smaller. Mm-hmm.
0: And what are the dimensions, just to clarify?
2: So it's 10 inches by 12 inches is the paper size.
0: What's nice about that, for some of us who have many mm-hmm. photographs of Marilyn already, that's a nice size to put on your wall because <laughs> some of the prints <laughs> you can get of Marilyn are just enormous. And so if you're looking for something a little bit smaller, but it's still a really, really great quality. Mm-hmm. And of course, Eve took some really incredible images of Marilyn Monroe and some of my favorites are the ones that you're actually listing for sale. So thank you for the opportunity.
2: That's great to hear. I'm really pleased. It's been an absolute pleasure to to talk about this. thank you for your for your energy and enthusiasm and' it's been a real pleasure.
0: Thank you for taking time and also aligning with us because you
2: are in London yeah <laughs> that's right yeah yeah I'm in London you're in California so it's yes. getting the timing right is great yes. so we've had to get that timing right.
1: I just want to thank you so much for being here and sharing some of these stories about your grandmother, because you know, we know enough about Marilyn and Eve, but it was nice getting to know Eve Arnold, the person as well.
2: It's been great to be able to, to share that because, as, as I said, you know, Eve meant so much to me. And that's why it's so important for me to get her work out there and, and for more people to, to know about who she was and what she did.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Michael, for tuning in. And to our listeners, we will see you next time for all things Marilyn. Good night, man.
1: Bye-bye. You loved on the screen, and that's the one thing that survived, you know. I realize more and more the responsibility, but you do miss sometimes just being able to be completely yourself in some place, and people just know you as another human being.